Well, good morning, church. It's good to see every one of you. If you're a guest, we hope you have felt at home and you feel welcome. We are honored to have you here today. Today is the fifth Sunday at Burlington Baptist Church, and you know what we do when we have a fifth Sunday? We have the Lord's Supper. I want to read a passage of Scripture to you today. I want to start off with that out of the, uh, the uh, Gospel of Luke. And uh, so let's read along with this together. Here we go. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the man, or the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And then he said to them with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he said, Take this, and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup, the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Pray with me. Kind Father, we uh, pause right now in this place, in this moment of time. We thank you, Lord, for what you've given us and how you've blessed us this past week. Lord, all of the blessings that we, or I, take for granted so often, we thank you for those just now, Lord. And as we enter into this time, continuing to worship, but at this time of communion, Lord, I pray you bless, may we learn, and may we seek your will and grow closer to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name, and all of God's people together said, amen. Amen. Well, when I came to Burlington Baptist Church eight years ago, there were two services going on on the campus. One of them was over in the Blue Building early, and then there was a late service that took place over here. And about a month after I arrived here, we started doing uh, one service, And then we decided we were going to do two services. You remember that? And the problem was on the fifth Sundays, we used to have one service for communion. Are you following me? And so God blessed our church. So much so that we couldn't have one service anymore because we couldn't get everybody in 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 the sanctuary at the same time. So what we do now is we have fifth Sunday, we have two services, and we celebrate the Lord's Supper, Lord's Communion. We offer communion every week, as many of you know, with these tables, and they're on each side. And the reason that we do that is because we have folks that attend our church that come from different cultures. And I believe it's important that if it makes you feel better to take communion every week, that you're offered that. Um, So that's what we do that. Maybe you grew up in a church and you never understood what communion was all about. I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, and I'm thankful for that. But I remember growing up in Baptist Church when I was a kid and when they'd take communion, my biggest thing on that Sunday was to see if anybody would drop it. As a child, I didn't really understand it. You know what I mean? And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't really presented to me. And so today I thought, you know, it might be a good idea if we just stopped 
just stopped for a little while today, and we talk about what we're doing and what this is all about. Um, you know, especially as, as cultures change and as, as life changes. Last uh, year, I was over and I walked out in the building out here in the atrium, and seriously, there was a gentleman that came up to me and he said, you know, I grew up in church my whole life, but he said, I never have understood that communion thing. And I went, wow, how sad, you know, that we grow up in church and we really don't understand what it's about, maybe. So, um, so like I said, we want to talk about it. Maybe you didn't grow up in church at all, but you never understood what communion is about. So that's why we're trying to do that. Hopefully, we can clear up some of the things and questions that you might have about communion. What is communion? And what is it all about? First of all, I think and I believe that the Scripture teaches that communion is worship. What is worship? I love words. I love to do word studies. It's interesting when you get into the meaning of a word, you know. The definition of worship is to show reverence and adoration for a deity or honor with a religious rite. Communion is, is that aspect. It is worship. Another definition of worship is our response to God's revelation. That's worship. You ever been uh, riding along in a car and you have on K-Love or whatever radio station you listen to of gospel music, next thing you know, you're having a hallelujah fit, tears are running, God revealed himself through a song. You ever been out in the woods, and you see something beautiful, and it's like God reveals himself to you in that, and you have a moment there where you worship. It's a response to God's revelation, and communion is worship. It's our response. It's also a Christian service in which bread is eaten and juice is drank as a way of showing Devotion to Jesus and to remember what he did for us and for mankind on the cross. In communion, we are to worship. It shouldn't be just another thing that we do at church. Nothing should be another thing that we do at church for that matter, should it? And sometimes we get in the commonplace with things that we do, you know? It's kind of like when I was growing up, my mother and dad had this old couch. And the old couch sat there forever. And I'd go in after I got married, and I was like, man, that is the ugliest couch I've ever seen. They bought a new living room soup, and they kept that old couch and didn't even notice it was in the room. That's the way we are in church sometimes, isn't it, with things that we do? Why do we do it? Well, because we always did it that way. Right? Are you with me this morning? Hello? Amen? Communion should be worship, and it should be something that we experience. It should come to life for us. It should be real. And when properly understood, I think it does. Check this out. It's Jesus' last week on earth. Now think about that. There were a lot of last things happening there. But you know the good thing about when last things happen, it usually means there's new things going to start happening. Jesus gathers his disciples, as the story that we just read. They're celebrating the Passover. Now, the Passover comes out of the Old Testament. If you want to read about it, it's in Leviticus 23. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a festival that they celebrated. And it was a pre-spring festival when it took place. And this festival was to celebrate how God delivered them, the Jewish people, out of Egypt in the Old Testament. You all remember that story? And remember the song about, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Used to sing that when I was a kid in church. That kind of regroups the whole story. They were delivered. And so they're celebrating the Passover. He's got the disciples there. And the the most incredible event is unfolding right here before their eyes. Can you imagine? It's the Messiah. 
It's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Gathered around with these men, and they're celebrating. And Jesus gathered them there, and then he begins to institute something new. They were celebrating this meal, and I can just see Jesus getting up, and he walks over, and he begins to serve. Did you catch that? The King of kings and the Lord of lords begins to serve. I love what Max Licato says here. Jesus is not portrayed in this event as the one who reclines and receives, but as the one who stands and gives. There's where it starts, folks. There's where it starts, right there. It's important to remember what communion and what is taking place here. Jesus took the bread, and he says to them, this is my body, broken for you. Wow. Wow. And then he takes the cup, and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant, and it's shed for you. He says that to this. Can you imagine? They partially understood this, I imagine, at this point, don't you? But it became clearer as the days went on. You know, it's important that we remember. There's a lot of things that Jesus, uh, in the Bible that Jesus does, but this is one of the few things that he says, remember. He instructs them to remember. So I did a little studying this week on the human brain and remembering. Because I don't know about you all, but as I get older, it's getting harder for me to remember. Did you know that... The human brain begins to retain memories between 16 and 20 weeks after conception. That's amazing, isn't it? That there are two types of, of memory. There's audio and visual. I'm kind of a visual person myself. I have to see pictures, you know. My wife says that to me a lot, Lee. Do I have to draw you a picture? You know better sit on this front row. What's up with that? I pick on him every time. One of the sweetest guys I know. Interesting that sleep also helps us to remember, according to the studies that they've done. If you get more sleep, you can remember better. As a human being, we have this ability to remember. You know, it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Really? When you think about it? Because there's a lot of things in my past that I don't want to remember. There's a lot of things that, 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 that are hurtful. And you have this capacity and you can't get rid of it but you know what what's a beautiful thing and i think this is so deep chad with what he said right here remember part of remembering this is so we can get rid of some of those things that weigh us down and hurt us when we remember somebody say amen because the cross washes it away the blood of jesus washes it away as a human being we remember i remember a lot i remember my first day in school and you know as fast as my brain rolls it's it's hard to keep up with everything but i remember my first day of school it was traumatic for me and the teacher I remember when both of my beautiful daughters were born at different points, seven years apart. I was, man, it changed my life having children. It was amazing, awesome. I remember the day that I passed my driver's test. I was pretty excited about that, you know, get to be free. I could drive and go where I wanted to go. I didn't didn't have to have my dad taking me everywhere, you know, my mom. 
I remember my first date with that beautiful girl named Diane that I talk about all the time. That was a pretty special time. I don't remember where we went. I just remember she was with me, and it was like, yes. (laughs) I remember when I invited Jesus into my life. That's one of those moments that uh, I'll never forget. Now, I, you know, there's an old song when my dad and I used to sing. It said, I can tell you the time, I can take you to the place. And it's an old Southern Gospel song. I don't remember the date exactly. Uh, I remember it was in February. It's written in the Family Bible. But, but my point is, I remember how it changed my life. Remembering is something that we do. I remember the, uh, the first sermon that I ever preached in 1979. I was scared to death. You can sit on the front row, you can hear my knees knocking. You're probably hearing them now, too. No, I'm just kidding. You know. Some people have extraordinary capabilities of remembering. Alexander the Great knew every man's name in his army. That would be pretty cool if it was 12 people, but there were 30,000 of them. Wow. How about uh, Winston Churchill? He knew by heart most of Shakespeare's works. Wow, isn't that cool? And I love this one. You'll like this one. Mozart could hear a piece of music played, he would memorize it in his mind, he could memorize it, and he could sit down and write it out just after hearing it one time, and then he could play it perfectly. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I hear Jeff Perry can tell you every donut that's on the Krispy Kreme menu. He has that memorized. I, I know, but he would do it to me, so... The memory is, a, is an incredible thing. Jesus instructed these men to do this in remembrance of him. This is representative of what Christ did for us upon the cross. Now, you think about that. Here we are, human beings, born, we choose To rebel against God, Adam did it, and God from that time on is continually reaching out to mankind to try to build that relationship with mankind. And then, in a moment of time, God sent his son, who was sinless, blameless, faultless, had done nothing, Tempted in all ways as we are, as the scripture says, yet he was without sin. God sent his son for you and I. Why? To die for the remission of our sins. They're celebrating the Passover. It's kind of ironic the way this worked out, but it's not really ironic. But Christ died for our sins, and that's representative in this cup and in this bread when we take it and when we look at it. Jesus' body was an unblemished sacrifice. How do we come into a relationship with God? We've been estranged because of sin. I'll tell you how. It's through Jesus. This is old-fashioned preaching, by the way. A lot of people don't want to talk about the blood of Jesus today. But I'm telling you, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Jesus Christ came, died, rose again, that you and I could have life. That's pretty humbling, really. When you think about it. And I'll tell you something else that does. It kind of takes you out of your recliner, doesn't it? Kind of makes you want to be on the servant side. Because this is such an important message when we recognize what Jesus Christ did. How do we come into a relationship with Jesus? This is amazing. 
we confess our sins. And we say, Lord, I want you into my life. What? You know, Paul said that the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to people that don't understand it, that won't listen to it. And it's true. Jesus said in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all his righteousness. Christ died for your sins and he died for mine. You can take that personal because it is. He loved you that much. And we are thankful for what he did. And if we confess our sins, he will forgive us. The bread metaphor followed Jesus all the way to the cross as it was broken. He took the bread and he broke it and it was a simple act to show what would happen to his body because of our sin. When the body was broken, he shed his blood. We also remember that he not only died for our sins, but he rose again. He rose again. And we can rise again in newness of life. You don't have to walk in darkness anymore. I don't have to walk in darkness anymore. God loves you. He loves me. He sent his son to die on a cross that we could have life and have it more abundantly. You know, the, the thing about the memory thing, here's, here, here's something to think about. There are things in my past that I don't want to remember, like some of the 80s, the early part of the 80s, and I'm just being honest with you. Think about it. I bet you we've all got something we'd like to get. But part of that, we can't get rid of it. But this can take it away from us. It can cleanse it. Gone. Zap. Isn't that great news? Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with that. It's good to know that Christ died for our sins and that he rose again. He defeated death. I've preached as the new pastor of this church. I've done four funerals in three weeks. And you know... One of the things, uh, I've done funerals before. It wasn't something new. It's just we've you know, had quite a few here lately. And one of the things that occurred to me is that when people pass, when they have Christ in their hearts, we're just saying see you in a little bit. We're not saying goodbye. We have hope, you guys. Christian people, Christ followers have hope. Thank God this isn't all there is. And the third thing is that I believe that Jesus Christ is coming again. The Bible teaches that. 1 Corinthians 15 says, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. That's the story of salvation. You see, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can be made right with God. Several years ago, I was in Indiana in college, and I'd preached a revival, and, and this lady invited us home to her house, and she had dessert, so of course we went. <laughs> and I remember her name was Miss Violet, and she was such a precious lady, a saint of God, walked with the Lord for many, many years, and, um, and this, was, this was back several years. Anyway, we were talking, and I said something about, she said, Jesus' return is imminent. She said, I believe he's coming back. And I said, but haven't you heard that all your life? And she was an elder lady, and she said, I have. I said, so what do you make of that? And she pointed her finger right in my face, and she said, I'll tell you what I make of it. We're closer today than we were 50 years ago when I started talking about it. <laughs> it's true. But it's true, isn't it? I remember as a kid sitting in the pews and, and listening to the men preach and saying that Jesus was coming back, and I went to an old-fashioned church where they'd pick this thing up and slam it down and stomp and snort and carry on. 
And I sit there and I listen to that, you know, and, I, and as I think about it now at my age, I'm thinking, you know what? It is closer. His return is closer. But thanks be to God, we have the victory in Jesus, don't we? For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man, and that's Jesus. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's Romans 6.23. It's not by our works. It's not by anything that we've done or that we can do. It's by accepting Jesus Christ and the finished work that he did on the cross. I don't know of another religion in the world that has a Savior that's alive, that died and rose again. You check those other graves and there's probably something in there. I mean, some, some sort. But you check his and he's gone. And because of that, we experience the power of his resurrection. We experience the power of hope. We experience the power of forgiveness. And when he said to those disciples, take this in remembrance of me, he was encouraging them to do that. Remember that worship is our response to God's revelation. We can't change the past, but we can change the future. And I said this before, and I'll continue to say this, I don't believe that God's as concerned about your past as he is your future. We've all got pasts. But God loves us. He knows that. You know, there's not one sin that you've committed that he hasn't already died for. It's right there. The Lord's Supper or communion is a symbolic act of, believer, of obedience to believers and for believers. It's where we memorialize the death of the Redeemer and we participate in his second coming. You know, unlike baptism, we experience that once, don't we? Communion is something that we do frequently. We do it frequently. And it's a practice that's meant to be observed over and over throughout our lives as Christ followers. It's a reminder. Jesus did this specifically so we could be reminded of what he did for us. And I remember growing up in church, and I remember sitting there, as I told you earlier, and it meant nothing to me. And I remember when it came real to me. It was after I accepted Christ, there was an old preacher come to town, and he shared the message about what communion truly is, how it breaks down the barriers and that we can access the cross. And it reminds us of what Jesus did, and I'm grateful for that. Unlike baptism, we do it over and over. We do it once a quarter. You know, we can lose everything in this world, but they can't take that away from us, our relationship with Christ. One of my responsibilities in this church, before I took this job or this position, was to visit the shut-ins. And I would go to the nursing homes, and I still am going to do that. And when I first came on board here, I was like scheduling and trying to figure that out. And sometimes I would, you know, okay, I got to do that and I got to do that. And I had a couple people that helped me, uh, very, very loyal to that ministry. And I'll never forget this. I got to know a lady, and I'm not going to tell your name because you guys probably, well, a lot of you do know her. But I got to know this lady. She'd worked all of her life. I went to the, the nursing home to visit her and to do the Lord's Supper. I watched her share her life with me about her career. And she told about how she'd worked all these years and, and how it had come to the point where she'd gotten older. She retired. Life took its toll. And she wound up in this, in this care facility. 
And I remember as we would go for four or five years, I would give her the Lord's Supper. I would offer that to her. And I remember the look in her face. But as she began to, uh, her health began to fail. She began to fade. Sometimes I would go in and I would talk to her. Her house was gone. Her family was gone. Everything she had was gone, except there she was there. And I remember this. The last time I gave her the Lord's Supper, you know what she did? She took that cup and that bread and she remembered Chad. She remembered who she was in Jesus and that the things around her didn't impact her faith and belief in God and that she had a home in heaven. She took that and she held it like this and she savored it. And she looked at me and she smiled and I said, that's the body of Christ broken for you. And she shook her head. I want to take communion like that today. I want it to be something that I'm not just going through the motions. I want it to be something that comes to life and it changes my life. And it changes the way I think about when I come in this place. It changes the way of when I walk out of this place. It affects me. Don't you want to do that today? Communion. It's worship. It's real. Age had diminished this lady's sight, her hearing. It had faded. Her steps were slower. But nothing could take away her hope in Jesus as she looked at the Lord's Supper. Today, I want us to be as that lady. It's so easy to get caught up in our situations. I went down, I took a bike ride on Friday, took a, a couple days and a couple members of the church, and we went on a ride. You ever, be, uh, you ever been in life just going along and all of a sudden you have a God moment where you just get knocked kind of... We stopped at a restaurant yesterday, and I was on vacation. Yeah, I stopped in this restaurant, went in, and this guy that owns this restaurant walked over and sat down and started talking to me. And we started talking about life. Next thing I know, he's sharing his testimony with me. He don't know who I am. That's no idea, so he's sharing about the Lord. And I'm just sitting there looking at Troy, and we're just scratching our head going, this is pretty amazing. We had communion right there. We remembered what God had done. We were talking about the, the world and the state of things that the world seems to be in. And I said, what do, what do you think? And he said, well, I'll tell you this. It really doesn't matter. God's in control, and he's coming back someday. And we have to remember that. And I looked at Troy, and he looked at me, and I said, boy, he's got this down, ain't he? It was pretty good. Pretty good moment right there. It was a special time. So as we take the Lord's Supper, what does it mean to you today? I know it's hard to get a hold of this idea. It's a mystery in a way of what God did for us, what Jesus did. You don't have to understand every detail of it, but what you do have to understand and you need to understand is that it's redemptive. It's redemptive. I think as the church, we should always remember that Jesus was redemptive in everything that he did, whether it was turning a table upside down or whether it was saying come. He was redemptive. And we go into this time of our service, you know, the Bible teaches us when we take communion that our hearts are to be right with God. So what we're going to do is we're going to have an invitation. We're going to just sing, have a time of just kind of clearing it up. I'm going to pray, give you an opportunity, and I'm going to have an opportunity to clear my heart. And then we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. If you're here today and you're a Christ follower, I want you to be a part of that, okay? If you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, it's as simple as saying, I'm sorry, I want the Lord in my life. Maybe you're not comfortable walking down front. We have cards in the, in the pews. You know, this invitation thing that we do, it didn't even really start in the church until the 1700s. Did you know that? Did you know Jesus didn't have pews? 
What? Where'd he go there? I woke you up, didn't it? It's a method that we use in this country, and it's effective, and I thank God for it because that's how I found him. But it's so much more than that. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's so much more than that. If you're here today and you're broken and you're hurting, this room is full of people that want to pray with you, help you, whatever, to find that relationship. You got something in your life? Maybe there's something that's nagging at you. Maybe you got something. Maybe you're at odds against a brother or a sister. You need to clean that up today. That's the thing about the church. That's what we do. It should be redemptive. Somebody say amen. That's truth. Amen.